Welcome to Disco Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and in this episode, we have Alex Weldon, who is the co-founder and chief product officer of Row Business Banking. They are a company that solves financing problems for growing companies. They give your team all the finance tools necessary to build, grow, and scale your business. They're a venture-backed startup, raised about $5 million from firms like Torch Capital as well as Inspired Capital. And Alex has a plethora of startup experience, product experience at a number of different companies, raised millions of dollars for different companies in the past, built some amazing products, and shares with us today that knowledge around building products, around fundraising, growing a company, all different things around building a business in this episode filled with gems, and I can't wait for you to listen. As always, the show notes are at discogrind.com slash podcast, and you can support the show by leaving a rating and review over in Apple Podcasts. Without further ado, here is Alex Weldon, the co-founder and chief product officer of Row Business Banking. Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate it. I'm, uh, I'm glad to be here. Yes, excited to have you on, especially with all the experience you have with, with multiple companies and obviously right now working on Row. What I'm curious about first is how did you start Row <laughs> Business Banking in the first place, man? Uh, yeah, it's not exactly like, uh, I, I guess, like an intuitive thing to be like, hey, I'm going to start a commercial <laughs> bank. Uh, right. uh, it, 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 was, it was a journey, to say the least. Uh, you know, it, it really was, uh, I guess, like a, a confluence of a couple things happening, which I, I always liked. It, it's usually a good indication that good things are happening when that when, you know, sort of you make those connections. The first was uh, I met my business partner, uh, Everett Cook. Um, he came from the hedge fund space and he's a very talented portfolio manager. He worked, you know, sort of top five funds in the world. And, you know, when we started talking about the, the challenges in, you know, in fintech and banking overall, he very clearly understood, uh, I guess, the challenges that I was seeing firsthand. So, you know, like I was like at first, like, why is, why is this guy like letting me talk about like operational finance <laughs> the whole time? Like this is a very strange subject to like, you know, be engaging it, even on like just a social level, so to speak. But uh, at that moment, it was like, oh, great. Like he's seeing what I'm seeing on the market side. Uh, I'm seeing, you know, sort of practically firsthand. Uh, this is a good thing. Uh, and that was sort of the first first sort of validation of like, you know, should we pursue this uh, is, is, you know, at that time we were both sort of in between, you know, looking for something new to do. Uh, he'd only recently left the hedge fund space and um, I was uh, considering starting a new business and, in, in, you know, doing, doing exactly this. So that was, uh, that was sort of the first, I guess, like catalyst for, you know, pursuing it for real. Um, but generally like, you know, like all good businesses. And I think that, you know, if depending on where entrepreneurs really come from, Typically, yeah. they're solving problems that, like, you know, they've seen somewhere else or experienced somewhere else or, you know, have an acute awareness of, you know, firsthand. And they sort of work to try to validate whether, like, other people are suffering from the same, you know, challenges. Uh, that has been, like, a, a very linear story in my experience as an entrepreneur. You know, I generally found a problem in a previous business. And, you know, once I'm, you know, sort of moved on or, or finished up the, the previous chapter, like, I'm usually on to that next chapter almost immediately. <laughs> With that, though, too, understanding that in the financing side of things for startups, for small businesses, there's a lot of different problems that these companies are facing. Totally. When you're, when you're thinking about row and starting row, how did you think through which problems to solve first? How do you, <laughs> you solve all of them? What this like initial solution is going to be? Because it's, it's, it's a lot to handle. 
Absolutely. I mean, yeah, like, I mean, first thing is to like, kind of understand like what, what we are trying to do and what, like, you know, what our vision is for, you know, finance, uh, uh, you know, moving forward in, in the United States. And the first thing to understand is that like our mission is to help teams work better with money. Uh, and, and that is generally, you know, what happens when you're growing business. Uh, it's not usually what happens when you have like, you know, when you first start your initial business, uh, you have a lot more problems to consider, you know, when you're, you know, you gotta, you gotta, I, I always like to say, uh, you know, at some sort of first thing is like open a bank account get, and find a good lawyer, uh, when you want to start a business, but generally, you know, even before then, you know, you're working really hard to try to validate what, you know, whether you should pursue this and that, that, that in and of itself is like a journey. Like a, you could be very satisfied just going through that experience without ever starting a business, um, to, you know, try to create something new. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, sort of getting back to the, the main point, which is, you know, how, do, how do we determine what it is and where we start? Uh, you know, we are very focused on growing businesses. Uh, that means that like the, generally we're not your first bank account. We're probably your second or third maybe. Um, and we are generally focused on, on teams that like basically need to offload and download their finance functions onto their team. You know, it's like you, you'll probably bring in a, you know, a first time accountant or maybe an, uh, a fractional CFO. Uh, or if you're going at very, very rapid pace, like you're going to work directly with an accounting firm to make sure that you have access to the, uh, the types of, uh, uh personnel and, and skill sets that are required to, to really help you manage that growth and scale. Um, there's nothing worse than being like, you know, you start a business and you're like, this is great. And things start going really, really well. But, you know, generally entrepreneurs do not get in the business to like become really good at finance. Like they're, yeah. they're trying to, you know, <laughs> true, make true. their products, make their products and, and, and sell and service customers. And, you know, being, being sophisticated and smart with these types of decisions uh, is in, insanely critical at the early stage. Uh, it, it can set you up for, you know, the, it can probably predetermine your, your future pretty, pretty quickly if you, if you make some of good good decisions and bad decisions, it really just depends on what side of that those equations you you, uh, you fall on. So we are very much here to support those uh, businesses and and really power you know the the twenty percent of the most innovative businesses in America. And understanding that, understanding that this came from obviously this personal problem first off, and you had a, an inkling of what this might be, and there's the myriad of, of problems there are within this. And once you kind of took the steps to to start this thing, I mean. How are you going about, okay, who should our first customers be? How are we going to acquire them? I'm curious about that side of things as well, kind of early on with the business too. Yeah, sure. I mean, the, the first thing for us was like understanding, like, why, why, is, this, why is this not being fixed yet? Uh, and why is it not possible? And the first thing to like help understand about banks and where, where people generally get this a little bit confused is that, you know, banks are in the business of lending money. Uh, and so... As such, their entire business model is oriented around lending. So, you know, when you think about like the Silicon Valley banks of the world, your local branch, you know, maybe like a, you know, someone that you bank with for a very long time, they may be like very much personally in your court, but the business model is completely oriented around like a return on equity, which is the balance sheet that, you know, the bank operates um, uh, or the, the money that they're going to earn uh, on top of the deposits that the bank holds um, through lending. So right. in, in that respect, uh, they're like not really geared up to like work in your favor. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the entire business model is completely oriented around, you know, another, another set of, of actions. So we wanted to very clearly fix that uh, as a first step. Um, 
And we did that. We, we work under uh, what's called the sponsor bank model, which means that we don't work with a single bank uh, or hold a charter ourselves. We actually leverage multiple banks' charters and work with them directly to hold balances in, uh, in sort of interest of our clients. Um, that means that like banks, we solve a really critical problem for banks, which is we give them really great deposits from companies yep. that are, are growing. Um, and they like that. They think it's really stable. But on the other side, that in, in completely orients row around solving customer problems. Like all we are focused on is solving and delivering the most delightful and amazing uh, financial experience to help teams grow fast. And that I think ultimately is a very transformational aspect about our business. Um, you know, we are by design rooting for our clients, uh, which is different. You know, no other bank in, in the U.S. does that. And I want to go through more of, of the growth story and how this, how you built this and everything. But one thing I think would be helpful for people to understand it with Row as it exists today, like what do you all offer to startups and to these different companies in terms of your yeah. services, your products, I think it'd be helpful. Totally. No, of course, of course. I mean, so when we think about banking, we actually offer like a number of different, I guess, quote unquote, financial services products. Um, that's all wrapped in this essence of uh, downloading the finance function onto your team. So in order to like help teams, you know, in, in, a, in a new way, and especially, you know, in today's day and age, which has only exacerbated our, our growth uh, to a very large extent, um, that companies are working different. So how, how do you improve that the ways that people make decisions with money? Well, one is enabling them to make decisions themselves uh, amongst their own teams. So, you know, you don't have to go through your finance department for approvals for, you know, say like a, a $50 charge for like a SaaS subscription or something like that. You want to be able to sort of allocate budgets and things like that. Well, all of that ties back into like the, what those things are you use to pay with money or spend with money. Uh, and so we are comprised of like every payment type that you could possibly offer. We offer uh, wire pay, wire transfers, ACH transfers. Uh, swift global transfers and payments in 36 local currencies across the globe because we understand that the vast majority of our clients um, are growing and and generally do business globally they either have supply chains globally or they have customers globally um, this the second part about that is is like enabling with software the ability to to uh, give access to team members in a safe and controlled way so you can have confidence justin of you know giving your team saying uh Hey, you know, we need to invest in this and you're going to trust your teammates and you're going to put in the appropriate controls like a budget or, uh, you know, an approval process to enable them to do that themselves rather than, you know, go through a finance department, a chain of emails and, you know, not necessarily uh, do things very quickly. Uh, and that is like basically the, the transformational power that we bring with our product. And one thing I want to go back to, you mentioned earlier around kind of who, who this is best for. It's not going to be their first bank account necessarily, maybe their second. Can you take me through a little bit more on like what that company is at at that point that would that would switch to row, for instance, from that maybe first bank or whatever they're, they're starting with? Like what, Absolutely. what does that company look like? How many people? Like, yeah, I'm just curious about that side of things. Absolutely. I, I mean, uh, gen generally on the, early, on the early side of our businesses and our clients, they generally have like maybe 10 to 15 employees on the very earliest side. It depends on segment. Uh, yep. But on average, the first first companies that come to us generally have probably about twenty employees. Um, what really is the catalyst there is that they uh, bring on their first finance professional. They're usually looking for someone to help them run finance. It's like the time when the founder or the executive team or leadership team says, "Look, like this is getting a little too crazy. I think I need to bring in some help." Not just you know like a, an annual tax accountant or you know some something like that. I'm talking about like someone to really run AP or, or, or manage your approvals or, you know, manage your, uh, an expense program, things like that. 
uh, at that point is when, you know, we're, we're ready to help you and, and really be able to, to get you started. Now, that's not true in, in all cases. We've definitely had companies that have, have started at the very beginning, especially when we first opened our doors. You know, we didn't have all this product to get started. You know, we're, 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 we've been working on this for, for some time now. Um, and, you know, a lot of our clients were, were just, just fresh and saying, hey, look, like I've got a great idea. Uh, looks like I'm going to I've raised some funding uh, and I really need a good finance partner. And that was that was enough for us to say, great. Let's let's see if we can help you. And with Row, then, so from that idea, then in the early stages of, of we have this solution to obviously a huge pain point. What did you look at from the fundraising side of what you needed to get this off the ground? Did you do an, an angel round? Did you do a small seed round? Like, how did you start in the beginning in terms of the fundraising side for this? For sure. Uh, so, I mean, the f- first off is you know you really have to say, okay, like what what does it require to sort of get to the very very minimum viable not even product, just position to yeah. start to validate, you know, that these things are true. Uh, you can't possibly ask, you know, uh, invest, I mean, you know, investors are, are acutely aware of the fact that sometimes they're making a wild bet, uh, but it's not gambling. Okay. <laughs> I think that people <laughs> right, misinterpret right. that pretty easily. It's like, look, I got this great idea. And it's like, look, like there needs to be some sort of informed decision process here that, that enables us to, to make a good decision, whether we should back this team, this, you know, idea, this concept or not. Um, and they, you know, investors vary by decision criteria, but generally for us, uh, what we started with was, you know, we, we very quickly put together, um, the pain points, uh, and saying like, look, how, how provable is this? Is, is this at scale or is this the right, are these the right vectors to be thinking about in terms of how we want to be solving this problem? We know is a problem. I mean, I, I, just realistically, like our TAM is one of the largest TAMs in the United States, you know, e- yeah. even just for our segment, you know, it's over a hundred billion dollars in revenue a year. So like, it's a, it's a very, very massive swath of the market. Um, you know, so when we started to try to like distill what this looks like, we just got to work. Uh, you know, that is, that is the initial investment. You know, do we have enough conviction ourselves that this is the right place? Um, and how much, how much of the unknown do we still have to cover before we can get to a comfortable place where, you know, you can speak to an investor? Um, we, this, this program naturally is, 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 you know, favors investors because it's, it's relatively capital intensive. We knew that uh, from the beginning. However, we knew that in order to be, you know, very good about it, we'd have to, we'd have to make some pretty strong and compelling arguments in order to, you know, drive good, good favor uh, with the investors to get, you know, the capital that we needed and, and come up with a good deal for everyone. Uh, and so, yeah, we, we, we had to, Everett and I literally like threw up everything that we were doing and, you know, sort of got joined at the hip and, and we got to work. <laughs> uh, you know, I started, you know, literally making everything the, almost all the first edition of, of, of Row was, was created by myself, uh, and, uh, and one other person for, you know, first couple months and where we were just, you know, night and day working. Uh, Everett was like fast and furiously trying to line up a lot of our partnerships and, you know, it was, I love those, those moments, you know, it is, it is always one of the most like exciting times because like you can feel that you're working on something very positive uh you know that's about to bring change and that is that's exciting you know personally for me and along the way too, building building this you're working in a pretty highly regulated industry how have you navigated that along the way as well uh yeah i mean one one of the the main things that i think is important to take away is in any industry not just you know financial services with with uh you know sort of all, all told is that be careful 
<laughs> yeah. Always be well, careful. Great advice. Uh, you love that. <laughs> I, I really mean that. I know it sounds sort of, you know, almost trite, but like it is like, just be careful. Uh, one of the main things that we do is like, we worry, we worried all the time. We were just like, are we thinking enough about this? Did we speak to the right people? Uh, we relied on, you know, uh, exceptional uh, legal advice. You know, we, we invested a lot in trying to understand to make sure that we had all of our bases covered. Thankfully, you know, we, with it, within our team, we, you know, we're, we're covered uh, quite, quite well with respect to, you know, our talent and, you know, our, the team that we've been able to, to compile over the last, uh, last two years. But uh, all told is that uh, do not overlook regulatory and compliance uh, aspects. And it was something that we never did. We sort of always started from a foundational level there um, and sort of tried to pair it up with whether, you know, what we were talking about was reasonable. Uh, and, and that is, you know, innovating in a, in a highly regulated space is always hard. Uh, Weirdly enough, it's this is like my third regulated space, so it's uh, it's like I uh, just love the get, calendar. Alex. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, typically regulated spaces are, are usually the most ripe for change, right? Um, sure. Because they're the hardest. You know, they have lots of they have lots of constraints. But you know, when you have constraints, it's always very good because like you kind of have like boundaries to work within. Sometimes it's a lot easier when you have boundaries versus uh, when you don't. There's there's so many different ways we can we can take this conversation, but one thing you just <laughs> yeah, mentioned yeah, yeah. is that you you've worked in multiple regulated spaces. To that point, you've had multiple startups. I'm curious as to with that, with having multiple startups, then how do you look at uh, opportunities or or new chances to start companies? Because you've done this multiple times for people wondering out there, you know, is this an opportunity I should look for? Like, how do you even view new opportunities and entering into a new market? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think so. The the first, I always say that my first business uh, was like a total accident. You know, it was I did not. I was very happy doing what I was doing. You know, like I, I was, uh, I was very young. I was eighteen. I, I was still in college, and you know, I was making generally like websites at the end of the dot, dot com boom. Um, and you know, everyone needed a website. I was like, this is a great business. Like, perfect. I was, I, perfect yeah. I'll be. I, I get to work on like lots of different types of projects. I do lots of code. I can design anything I want. And you know, everyone really was relying on me to like you know do a great job. And that was always very satisfying for me. However, you know, when we started this, my first business, which this this that business really evolved into, uh, was sort of fluke luck. Uh, like I, I, someone asked for you know had a challenge, and I was like, you know, that's that's a pretty good idea. Uh, and sort of what transformed over the, the like or the further twelve months was like a radical journey, uh, making the world's first mobile gambling software. And you know, I if you told me or I, I talked to my parents, like, <laughs> I don't think that would ever ever come to my mind whether that was like a good journey or not. Uh, like I was like, yeah, that that's the last thing I would ever envision myself doing. Um, but it was, and it was a fantastic idea. It was a very difficult problem. Um, but the insight was true. Like, you know, there was, uh, it was like sort of one of those turning points when like mobile phones were, uh, had such proliferation that, that, you know, people were playing games. I mean, you know, everybody remembers that during that time, things like Snake and, you know, Blackbirds were just mm, around. Yep. And, uh, you know, we, there was no sort of uh, ecosystem or homogenous development network that like, you know, like the app store or, you know, even just like protocols to build on. Like we had to build everything in like Java and it's crazy, but it, it was, it was, it was right. And, you know, it gave me my first taste of success and I sort of never looked back. Uh, and every other problem, again, you know, sort of, I saw uh, during that first business sort of led me to the next one and the next one after that. And, you know, the vast majority of that was, was circled around growth and understanding the mechanics of how businesses really work, um, particularly on the growth side, the product side and the finance side. So to the point that I mean, what is it, 
what are some things that make you excited to enter a market? Because you said like some of these are highly regulated industries or there's so many ways you can go about, it, especially with your skill set. Then like, what is it about a market or a business opportunity that you're like, oh, I, I want to tackle that. That seems like something worth my time. Uh, absolutely. I mean, number one, uh, you know, putting like investor hat on, like it's, it, 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 it's always market. Like, you know, if it's a good market and it's a really big market, you're like, oh, there's a huge gap here. Like if you if you feel like wow, there is an absolutely massive demand here, uh, that is a good good very good indication because you know you'll make a connection and then you'll say, oh, but like everyone can use this or something of that. If you have any type of indication or intuition that that is how you're feeling about the solving that problem, that's probably a good indication. You should you should you should look into it. One thing that. I would be, I just, I can't not talk about is the fundraising side a little bit more in terms of you've raised obviously millions of dollars with Roe now and then other businesses as well have been venture backed yeah. and raised money. Take me through the first time you've had to raise capital because that, from perspective, it's easier as you go on, <laughs> easier, not easy, but easier as you go on. I want to hear about the first time you had to raise capital and then I have some follow ups from, from there as well. Like, how did the experience go the first time? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was a bit dicey. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Uh, like, let's be honest, uh, look, asking uh, the first time you have to ask anyone for money, I don't care if it's like, you know, your brother, or your sister, like you're, you're asking yeah. somebody for money. It is uncomfortable. Uh, you, you were like, uh, like, can I please have some money? <laughs> it's very strange. <laughs> uh, I'm very disoriented to be honest, but, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, at sort of early two thousands, you know, when we first raised capital, um, specifically for that, for the, for the gaming business, um, it was very strange, namely because like there was no like I mean I grew up in Canada, I, you know I, I grew up in Toronto, and you know Toronto had, had some definitely some uh, some very great successes in technology at that time, but you know it, it, maybe in, in North America it was, it was definitely still one of the hubs, but it had nothing like a, you know a large ecosystem of investors. You know you basically had family offices or friends and family that you would you rely on for for funding at very early stages, and then you basically have to rely on a bank or you know, some other type of fund, maybe a private equity fund or, or of that kind, if you were able to get access to those types of things. But, you know, I was an 18 year old kid. I had, I had no idea. Uh, uh, I, I basically went the traditional route. I, I tried to ask and, and find people that I thought would be able to, uh, to help us. Um, not just, you know, from a monetary, I, just, I was just like, I need help. Uh, I need to rely on people that are, that are smarter and better than me at this stage, because like, this seems like it's really working. I need to, you know, rely on this. And that was, the, that was, that was the, frame of mind when I started to pursue uh, funding at that time. Ultimately, I ended up, you know, with a, with a, a group of people that were, uh, they were not like ultra, ultra professional, like investors in this sense today. They were like, you know, they were uh, merchant bankers and they just really believed in the idea and they had cash to burn and they were willing to back it. And, you know, I, I'm always grateful for that opportunity. And taking that from that then to fundraising for Roe, how has the fundraising gone for real? I know you've raised somewhere around $5 million or so. Like, How has that gone for you then this time around, having started multiple businesses? Obviously, you're in a different spot with Roe. Then take me through the fundraising side with Roe so far. Yeah, for sure. I mean, okay. So like, I, I, I you know, to your earlier point, like, does it get easier? I, I don't think so. I don't think it ever gets easy. Uh, it, and it also like, there. I mean, there's always a time when if you're doing very well and your business is, is, you know, exploding and, you know, your growth is, is very, uh, very high and, you know, you, you'll always garner interest and you'll, there will always be people that will be willing to have a discussion with you, I think, at, the, at those stages. That doesn't necessarily, quote unquote, make it easy. You know, you're, you're talking about doing, you know, very, very you know, important business, to be honest, that, that needs to be very considered and thoughtful uh, about, you know, how you're arranging, arranging, you know, 
uh, a financial relationship. It's it's not just you know uh, the startup story. That I think that a lot of people tend to lean on the positive aspects, which there's there's so many of them. But you know, make no mistake. You know, you were you were in business with someone in with an, with a, trying to achieve a, a very like strong outcome in the vast majority of let's say venture instances. Um, and and with that with that respect, in that respect, you kind of have to understand you know who you're talking to. Uh, and I think that, you know, I've, I've had a, a, the liberty of having some very good experiences of learning what that means so I can kind of understand where they're coming from or at least become relatable uh, to, to them in terms of what they're trying to do to achieve their goals. You know, they're, they're trying to, you know, develop a return for their investors. They have investors. You know, your investors always have investors. And that is like a very important thing to understand is like their at their bottom line is a return on their investments. Uh and so if you can always ensure that you remember that frame of, uh, of, of thinking, then you can find common ground pretty easily. Is there anything else along the lines of that too, is just for other people who are raising capital, whether they've already you know, raised a small amount from family, family and friends or looking for institutional investors now or anything, anything else on like the fundraising side of things that you think just would be helpful to know because you've gone through it already? Uh, be prepared. <laughs> so it's like no matter what like spend lot any any time that you're not focused on your day-to-day uh you know if you if you believe that you're going to need to go and raise capital uh spend you know a ton of time and get a ton of feedback you know so you're you're basically going to be running like kind of like giant well i would say giant i would say very focused and not very scalable a b testing right you know and everybody's yeah. going to come out with a with a with a different opinion and you're going to have to be willing to adapt and learn very quickly, you know, and if you can get out in front of that well before, you know, you have those serious uh, discussions where, you know, you, that it like you have an opportunity online to, to really line and agree with, uh, you know, a high, I guess, a probability investor that you're going to match with, uh, you're going to want to be able to strike very, very strongly and build a, a great relationship very fast, uh, and hopefully, uh, do that very, very, uh, very effectively. And so practice makes perfect. I think that that, that really is a, a, a very true, uh, experience to be honest. And, and with that too. So th- that's, that's the funding side. That's like the early and helping you grow. And as you move on, obviously you need funding. You also have exited from a company as well. I mean, take me through that process and how do you got to the point of, of, of exiting from a company as well? Yeah, I, I, I always like the everyone. I think exits are there. Uh, it's like a gift and a curse, so to speak. I, I mean, I, I think that there's 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 always these this this idea of what it's going to be like going through next. I mean, I certainly you know I've had uh, my fair share of like thinking about like what are what are what does it look like when you get an exit. I mean, yeah. one is there's always money tied to it. Um, so you know, in the in the vast majority of instances with small business, you know, you're you're sort of getting your money back. Um. You should be very, you know, okay about that. That's just on the on the money side of things. But ultimately, like for for founders, it's like a it's a journey. You know, um, I think that there's like a, a couple different ways you could cut this to to get to it, like an effective place where you know you can you can make a good consideration about an exit. Number one is like, how in love with the business are you? Uh, yeah. Is it is it is it a good reason to exit? Because like you know maybe you're just you're you're just you know, sort of tired and, and sapped out. I mean, I have, I have a bunch of friends that were founders and like, yeah, I was just, you know, I was just, I was just, I was just it. And I didn't think that I, I would want to have anyone quote unquote, you know, sort of replace the leadership or the culture that we had. And I felt that it was better in someone else's hands. And that, that's a great motivation for, for an exit at, at that time. The second is, is, you know, actually like, you know, what, where, why are you selling it? Is it strategic? 
do you believe that, you know, you can make it all the way to a public market um, and raise more capital to succeed? Um, or are you better off like joining forces and joining forces is a great thing. Never like underestimate the power of many, uh, yeah. that there's a reason for that. Like there's a reason why, you know, when people move into mergers and acquisitions and those sorts of things that it's like, can be exceptionally positive. It's usually game changing. I mean, that there's, there's a reason why there's firms out there that only do that, right? Like there's a, <laughs> there are investors that like have like tons of capital, billions of dollars to do just that. And there's a reason why. Um, which is, which is, uh, uh, to help, you know, grow faster and, and align forces and sort of like really narrow a little bit more about what you're trying to achieve. And you can do that better together sometimes. Um, the last part is, you know, when you think about exits, you know, I think everyone, and this is sort of the frothiest one, I, I suppose, but I think that, you know, is really important to understand why, who I think does it best and, uh, who I think are, you know. I think maybe made a, a miscalculation in, in some instances, um, which is, you know, getting to a public market exit is an incredible feat. Uh, it should be like certainly not underestimated uh, how hard that is. There's, you know, in the history of history, there's been still basically just thousands of businesses that have gone through that, you know, um, so that have had, you know, very considerable success and gone on to have profound impacts on, you know, not just, you know, the economy, but people and, and, and the world. Um, and that's what like a public market exit generally should try to do for you, um, right. especially in the United States. And I think that the founders that do it best understand that it isn't an exit, but an opportunity. And, you know, if you are, you know, I, could, I, I don't think you could, you know, I'm sure if, if Justin, if, if you get a chance to speak to Jeff Bezos, I'm not sure if you have yet, but I, I'd be, I'd be <laughs> hard pressed to, yeah, yeah. I'd be hard pressed to, to believe that he would suggest that uh, Amazon IPOing was an exit. You know, I think he would he would probably argue that it was the you know an opportunity for them to grow for, further and faster and better, and yeah. that is really what you're talking about here is giving it a life that you know it simply would not be able to have necessarily in the hands of you know private investors at that time. It's it's probably better to to, to pool resources to fund the growth because you know you're probably doing pretty well, and that is an excellent you know reason to go. I think if you're you're okay, like I'm going to leave this to, to governance and, and exit the business and hopefully have an influence and, you know, take my money. And there's lots of great people that will do that. And it, it probably in many cases has taken them like 20 years. And I think that's sort of like the first outcome, which is like, I'm pretty tired. I think I'm ready to give it to someone else to take care of. And so, it, you know, it sort of comes full circle. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've, I've interviewed a number of people too, who have had exits and it's always, yeah, a different story, like why they did in the first place. And it depends on to your point, like, yeah, do you want to run this anymore? Is there a great opportunity for something else in terms of growth? Like there's a lot of different reasons behind it, but obviously understanding that it's important. And, and so we've, we've talked about kind of the, the beginning stages and starting a company and, and the fundraising side of it and, and also the exiting and everything with, with the, kind of the, not the end, but towards the end or transitioning to something else. But what I want to get into, because you have so much experience with it as well, is the product side. So you've run product for a number of different companies now. There's so much to yeah. ask around that. I'd start with <laughs> what are some of the what are some of the things you think about as you're building product or what's the keys to building like a great product? Uh, foundation. Always foundation. I don't think that there's like a time that I don't ref like, I mean, maybe my team will hate me. They can take it. Total broken record. Like, why are we doing this guys? Why? Don't forget. Why are we doing this? Uh, but it's important if you don't have like clear instructions, you know, sort of like that say, yes, that's what we're doing. Um, it's very hard to like make a good judgment when you're, you know, you're alone or in solitude trying to build something. 
um, when you don't have like a good reference point. And I think that like foundational product thinking, it, it starts from, starts from, you know, the, the, the mission and the vision. Uh, and if you don't have that, it's very hard to back into, you know, uh, should I build this feature right now? Or should I even consider doing this thing right now? Or, you know, is this a really good use of my time? You know, uh, the amount of people that are even like, you know, marketers and, and growth people that you, you speak to and you're like, they're like, yeah, like maybe I should write this article. And you're like, okay, like article on what, <laughs> what do you expect the impact will be? And like, is it like, and based on like, you know, some, you know, other quantifiable evidence or, or maybe even qualitative evidence that you can, you can unfold. Can you get to a, a place where you can have some sort of predictability of its success? If it's like zero, like you have no idea whether it's going to happen, like you should probably seek a lot of advice before you go do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, like, let's, uh, let's just be realistic. Uh, because like, you know, and that's not like challenging risk taking that it's the, it's the inverse. It's like mitigating risk, right? Like the, you're already taking a risk by doing something. It's uh, ensuring success, right? And, you know, getting down to that, it should be like within the frame of the mission and the vision and the direction of the business. And naturally, like whether it's going to be the most impactful thing that you can do at any given time. And that is what drives efficiency and alignment and the ability to work like really well with the entire organization, because everybody's sort of working in the same space. You know, everyone is sort of following the same place and whatever you do, um, if it's within that, that sort of that frame should be translatable to anyone in the business, whether it's like, you know, someone in an operations team to, you know, the, the most hardcore DevOps engineers, you know, trying to make sure that everything is working, working well. From that as well, then understanding that's the foundation of a billion products. And how do you incorporate feedback and prioritize that to, to develop the products, to adjust the products? I'm curious about that as well. Uh, yeah, never, 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 never stop asking. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot of school of thought and some people, you know, I've, I mean, I've seen lots of product managers and, and product people and, and just entrepreneurs in general, they generally like lean really, really hard on customer feedback and okay, there, there's customer feedback. And then there's, then there's like, what do you do with the customer feedback? And yeah. And that is where I think that's where it gets murky. It's not getting feedback, get as much feedback as you possibly can. You know, evidence and research is the most critical part of, of scaling a product. Um, if you don't have that, if you're not learning and you're not watching and listening and, and being acutely aware of, you know, what is required to, for the next part or the next part and the part after that, then, you know, you're going to really lose your, uh, lose the, lose your focus. However, the, what, you know, the, I always love that Henry Ford quote. It's like, you know, if I ask customers what they wanted, like they, they'd ask for faster horses. And it's like yeah. really true. It's like they will, they will ask you for like, just make this thing. And you're like, okay, thanks for the feedback. I mean, that's usually the, that's, that's, what, that's what you should be like, okay, thanks for the feedback. Sometimes they're, they're 100% right, but there should, be there should be a ton of evidence to suggest that. But generally, they're usually calling out a problem, not a solution. Like their solution is inherently a problem they're talking about, not, not the other way around. Uh, and that, that like understanding and being, you know, reading between the lines of that feedback is, is really what's critical. With Roe, coming back to Roe, understanding like that, that side of things with the product and foundation of the product and, and using feedback and prioritizing this as well. For you, how do you look at competition then? Or do you look at competition? Yeah, I mean, of course, I mean, you always look at competition. Competing is like the, the most fun thing about doing business. You know, it's <laughs> like that, that. I mean, that is business. It's com competing. It's like, you know, that, that's also some of the most fun uh, aspects of, of doing business. But um, the way that we think about it is, you know, is that we, we, we have our own view 
you know, at Row, we have a very clear view of like what we're trying to do and how we think that we can help solve, um, you know, uh, finance for, for companies. Um, there's lots of companies that think that they all have a great idea on how to solve, company, uh, solve these problems. You know, in other ways, there is, you know, uh, perhaps like I have a really main sticking point, you know, like maybe I can't get access to, to spending or something like that. And I'm just going to try and solve that problem for, for a business. And that, that's really great. But, you know, we, we were very deliberate in understanding that, like, you know, look, the world does not need another checking account. We are not, we just simply are not, uh, uh, you know, we don't think that that's a problem. Um, you know, there's lots of great options for, for companies to have a, have a checking account. And quite frankly, for, for a lot of listeners on, on this podcast, uh, that there is like really good options out there. Like there's, you can get, you know, free banking uh, open today and, you know, it will be great for you. It'll be great just to get started. It'll do everything that you need to do. Um, but, you know, the challenges of, around finance really kind of come into when, you know, you're, you're really trying to grow. And, you know, you start thinking about, like, is to this point, you know, some of the stuff that we spoke about earlier, which is like funding, like, is pursuing venture capital, like, a good direction for me? Like, should I be trying to maybe continue on this path of bootstrapping it? Or should, are there alternatives of funding? Um, and, you know, those are all finance and, and banking questions and basically op- how better ways to run your business from an operations operational perspective than, uh, than just being like, hey, I need a bank account. So from, from us and why we think about competition, uh, we are solving a very different problem than perhaps anything that is in the market today through banking. Um, and I think that that's the insight. You know, like we have a 10-year view, you know, in, in 10 years, like everybody that will be sort of running a business will probably be running it like the row way. And, you know, that is sort of how we think about things. Understanding, understanding that and what it takes to, to build that vision then is, is people, people end up making that happen. And how do you, 100%. how do you look at the people side of the business in terms of how you grow, get the right people on board to build out this vision for the company? Uh, you, you, you need to, you need to kind of hunt it just like a good product. I mean, look, I, this is like my personal opinion, but I think chefs are the, are the best product managers in the world. Uh, I think that, that they're the best product managers in the world for a number of reasons. One, they're in the most, like, quite frankly, contested markets in the, in the entire world. Everyone needs to eat and there's lots of chefs. Um, yeah. To be very good at, you know, cooking, you need to be very, very good at making good products. Uh, <laughs> and, and it never stops. Like every day, you know, the world's best chefs are basically looking at what, what can I make today uh, with what I have and, and make it exciting and do it over and over and over again. Um, much in the same way that like, you know, uh, in a very cheesy way, like anyone can cook, like anyone can do their, do a very good job. I think it's about activating the right type of person with the right skill sets for the job needed to, you know, to support the mission and vision. And I think that something I've learned in the past is that, you know, you can rely on tried and tested, uh, people tried and tested teams and tried and tested methods and strategies, but never close your eyes to new opportunity. Uh, otherwise, you know, you're going to end up with like something that you probably already learned before without maybe adding any innovation or adding new, a new dimension of experience. And I mean, I spend a lot of time trying to find really great people that, you know, uh, I think may have a different perspective than, than anyone in the team today. Uh, and that diversity and, and challenge is what makes, I think, you know, row and just culture in, in in organizations that I've helped build or contribute to, uh, really dynamic. And it's, it's always been the defining factor, whether we've done a good job or not. So, you know, I think that, you know, once you get your business and you find some, some modicum of product, product market fit, the only thing after that is people. 
yeah, and it's such a, a it can be such a challenge then to find those right people though. Yeah, along, along right. the along the way, and I you know talked to a few founders recently who were like, it's just like one of them said, just it's miserable trying to find the right people, <laughs> you know. And it can, I was like, oh wow, like that's that's true. It can be. Uh, and to that point, then I mean, why do you think then that that people join Row? Like, what is it you think about your culture or your vision that people are like, oh, I I want to be at Row. Yeah, uh, that's a good question, Justin. I mean, at, at Row, one of the main things is, is that you know we try to we try to sell like a very compelling vision about what we're trying to do, and you know that's great. Like if someone is not interested and that's not compelling, and they don't think that they can get out of bed every day and 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 think about and work on this problem and like give their time away from their families and friends to come help us build a company, that's fine. Like I'm that's 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 like a good outcome in my view. Um, because like you're gonna make a good decision. It's like cool. That's that's you're not lying. But for the people that do, they generally are like 100% all in. And you know yeah. that is what you're trying to do is just build like a very dedicated and completely understanding and transparent and trusting environment where everyone is like just trying to get to the best possible outcome, no matter whose idea it is and no matter how you do it. It's just like it. You know, it's it's all all a matter of teamwork. And I think that that's really compelling for for as a culture. Uh, the second thing is like understanding like why people are have a job in the first place. Like, you know, what is their, what is their mo main motivation? We spend a lot of time trying to align with personal goals um, when we hire people at Roe, because that is, that is really what's going to matter. Like that's going to probably determine how long you're going to work with someone for, you know, if, it, if you sort of do the thing that they're, that the person is, is trying to achieve in you know, say three months, then like, you know, that may not be the best fit you know, you're only probably going to work together for maybe four months because you've already right. helped them get to where they need to go. Uh, so like having a long-term outcome and understanding where they want to go and making sure that there's enough uh, journey in there for to invest in people. Because, uh, you know, you're you're investing, whether you like it or not, uh, in people, uh, just like an investor is investing in companies. So you're doing the same thing with other people. Um, then the, but that's that's really all about qualifying people. If you want to talk about like practically how to, how to seek people out, uh, you know, the same kind of explanation I gave it, you know, why I love chefs. Like, uh, those are skills that like, we're, we're basically talking about business skills that can all be developed and learned. Right. Um, and so don't ever be scared of trying to maybe see someone that might seem somewhat or unorthodox, but like, that's sometimes the best possible person you could ever hire for a company. Um, do not be, do not shy away from hiring some, from people that don't have like quote unquote relevant experience. Like I, that's the last thing I look for. What I'm looking for is like, do they do they have a unique match um, to to the problems that we have, and will they fit in? You know, that that's it. And to switch gears a, a little bit, along the way with building products and your entrepreneurial journey, has there been any books, personal, professional, that have been useful for you? Uh, I mean, I try to read a lot. I, I try to read like, uh, quite frankly, like for a lot of uh, a lot of fiction uh, to try to like take my when I'm trying to go to bed, I get like maybe ten <laughs> pages into in, into the, into a book, and I'm like. Oh, sleep um but yeah there's of course there, there's always there's always like really amazing um things that i that i try to latch on to and uh there's like a couple of really key things that i i would say that i, I inform my thinking today and one of the most uh transformational uh books that, that i can really like helps me understand especially on a culture you know what working like working at row is like um is a book called reinventing organizations by frederick Leloup. uh i'm a massive fan of his thinking um and really it's it's really talking about like how to activate you know organizations in new ways and understanding like where we've come from and why we're here and why organizations work the way they are today um, and what they could be like tomorrow 
and helping to understand that like, you know, an organization is not like one type of person. Uh, and that like you're a, a really effective organization is, is a group of and, and a collective of people with different uh, dynamics and different skill sets and different experiences all coming together to, to work on a common problem. And uh, that that in, in and of itself is a, is a really like key, key book for, for me um, on product. Uh, I'm a huge Marty Kagan uh, follower. I've always liked Marty Kagan's uh, school of thought on product. I think that like for product managers and even entrepreneurs in general, yeah. uh, inspired uh, by Marty Kagan is probably like, I'd probably say the product Bible. It's like the best, best <laughs> thing to start with. Uh, there's like an infinite amount of best practices and practical knowledge and strategies uh, on how to like build great products. Uh, you know, I give every PM that comes to work as ever come to work for me for the past, you know, sort of, uh, five or six years that I copied that book when they, on the first day of work. That's incredible. I appreciate the, the insights from those. And where can people go to learn more about Row and all you're doing, Alex? For sure. Uh, you can check out Row.co. Um, I'm on Twitter, uh, at A Weldon. Uh, I don't tweet that much, but I tweet about a lot about Row and the Raptors. I'm a big Toronto Raptors fan. So oh, I'm a Bucks fan. That's cool. I mean, I'm from I'll, Milwaukee, I'll, uh, so. I'll look forward to the, I'll look forward to watching the semifinals together. Really <laughs> Fingers crossed, man. It's been a yeah, struggle so right. far. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It. <laughs> Alex, thank you so much for taking the time to come on our show today. Of course. Thanks so much, Justin. Thank you for listening to this episode of just go grind. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. The Weekly Grind, which is my weekly newsletter, comes out every single Friday. You can find it at justgogrind.com slash newsletter. This is filled with tips, tools, and strategies for growing your business. If you want to know how to launch a business, how to grow it, how to get it off the ground, find employees, all these different things. There's a few tips, tools, and strategies every single week I deliver right to you. Justgogrind.com slash newsletter. Check it out. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you in the next episode.